T-minus 25 seconds. 20 seconds and counting. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. 12, 11, 10, 9. Ignition sequence start. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Tower cleared. Here we got a roll program. And as Apollo 11 does its roll program, this podcast now does its roll program. The tape is rolling. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. My name is Grant Cameron, and you're listening to the Paranormal UFO Consciousness Podcast. Thank you for taking time from your life to be here. Can you hear me? Yep. Just need to start your video. There you go. Yeah. Sorry about that. I lost power. Oh, so I had to re- like that reboot it. Lost everything here. So anyway, okay. I mean, I'm actually uh, at Desta's. She's she's in uh, Toronto, so I'm just taking care of her house here. So. Oh, okay, okay. No worries. Yeah, uh, where were we? Yeah, you I was were, just you were in the middle the of the fact something. that I had these sky pilots, but um, yeah, it's an interesting uh, development um, in terms of the technology and where we're going with this. You know, hopefully, it's used for the right purposes and not for. Um, building bombs. Although I, I even yes. looking at the present situation with, with the war, I mean, if even you had big, huge flying saucers, what are you going to do? I mean, there's nothing you can really do now. You know, you lost a war against Stone Age tribe, and it's it doesn't matter what kind of technology you have anymore. The world's a different place. You really can't, in many ways, you can't use that technology unless yeah. you're really going to go to war. But uh, people aren't going to do that anymore. Are you talking about like reverse engineered technology utilized for war? Yeah, well, that's I think that's where they're going with it. I mean, that's where you get, you know, uh, the whole PSA thing. They're, they're mm-hmm. not interested because I asked a number of people on the, on the circuit. Like, for example, Chris Butzel's got 15,000 15, 15, videos and photographs. I said, did they contact you for your videos? Because they're saying, oh, we need these videos. We need all this data and stuff. No, yeah. they didn't contact me. And then I interviewed Deborah Cobble, who was the, this, this, from the intruders. She's the behind the book intruders. And okay. her file was actually sold to Bigelow from John Carpenter. So I said, did they talk, talk to you? Nope, didn't talk to me. So they're not, they're, they're basically dealing with military people because they can't get, they can't use people's files, like personal files. You can't spy, spy on American people, but that's basically where they're going. I mean, that's why they were at Skinwalker Ranch. They're not interested in, in UFOs. They were interested in how do you put bulls inside trailers? How do you make stuff disappear and reappear and, yeah. and all this kind of stuff. And they're looking at the military applications of this stuff. And it's uh, like the same as remote viewing. They didn't really care whether it worked or not. The thing was, was it operational? Can we use it for military purposes? Otherwise, we're not interested in it. Yeah, yeah. So it's all about weaponization. And that goes to, you know, when Tom Long first came out, my first thing was, why are they talking about who's driving these vehicles and exclusively skipping over to the technology? Yeah, right. Yeah, and, that's and what America, you shifted to as well. You shifted into really being about the experiencer because that's where the, the conversation really needs to be at is what's going on and what the, what does this mean for the grand scheme of who we are on this planet? Yeah, that's where I think it all comes down to. I'm even just about to do a, a little uh, PowerPoint where I deal with, um, uh, now I'm going to forget her name, uh, 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 Ingrid. Um, she's a, uh, works for NASA and the Navy and she had a yeah. near-death experience when she's three years old. And what mm. she described, she says she was there and she fell into a pool of water and drowned and, and her mother pulled her out and whatever. But she said, I suddenly realized I could go anywhere instantaneously. I was in wow. the, the maid's room. Then I saw my mother. And then I saw this dog. I said, oh, look at the dog. Boom. She was instantly with the dog. And then she saw this park. Oh, she was instantly at the park. And that's exactly what Chris Bledsoe said. Chris yeah. Bledsoe said, the way it works when he's flying the craft, he says, you look at a cloud. And you look at the cloud and you say, I'd like to go to the cloud and the cloud is suddenly right at you. It, it's like it comes to you. And it's mm. this idea and or um, Ron Johnson was another experience I talked to where he said, they said, where would you like to go? 
He said, I'd like to see the Milky Way from a distance. They said, hang on. Wow. He said it was less than one second. He said, looked out the window and they were, saw the Milky Way from a distance. And yes. that's this whole thing. When you see the near-death experience literature and the out-of-body experience literature, it's the same thing. People are describing 360-degree right. vision. Or Ron Johnson, when he when he was in the, um, he was talking about the, the, the being, LB is the being that, that he was dealing with, took him to see his mother in the spirit world three times and the third time he could actually see her and his mother's taken him for a tour of the spirit world and he goes to this um sort of like a, it looks like a, a temple a mormon temple at nephi utah and he said i went into the building he said his mother said when you come you're going to get a room in one in this in building like this i have a room my your father has a room whatever and he and he said i walked in he said it was like 10 or 100 times the size inside the building it was as outside i said that's wow. exactly what Chris Bledsoe said. That's yeah. exactly what Terry Lovelace said about inside the craft. So the yep, thing is, is are you in a craft? Are you in the spirit world? And you start mm -hmm. to realize that's the important part. It's not the technology. It's like, what happens at death? Where did we come from? Why are we here? Where are we going? That's what's the important part. Mm. And that goes with non-locality, right? The whole theory of quantum physics is that one piece of information can be accessed anywhere in the universe. So our consciousness is non-local as well. And Ray Hernandez talks a lot about this so that when you get into that state, that astral state, that spirit state, yeah. all things exist in the same moment. So you can just basically, and I feel because I'm really interested in the technology of how they get here, right? And from the nuts and bolts to um, light shifts and all those things. But I've heard some experiences talk about the technology where they can just dematerialize and just relocate in specific areas in the solar system because their consciousness is at such a level that distance isn't even within their reality. It's all happening at the same time in one moment, in one place. And all you have to do is just reprogram your consciousness to go to wherever you need to go. Yeah. That, and that's what this, um, this um, girl that works for, she's an oceanographer, PhD. That's what she said when she was in the experience, time and space completely disappeared. And yeah. so the question is, if time and space doesn't exist, mm -hmm. how big is the universe? Is there actually mm -hmm. planets out there in far away in space through and takes a long time? Or if there's no time and space, it's what yeah. she said, it's all here. It's all now. It's all the same thing. And it's this idea that it may be just a point in space. It's singularity yeah. and it's all happening within or people will describe when they have near death experiences or they or with out of body experiences. They're going within. They're not and near death experiences. They're going yeah. within or when you have your out of body experience and you've you've dealt with hundreds of them. But when you look back and see your body. You can see your brain. You are an activity yeah. inside your consciousness, your awareness. Right, right. You're, and that's when you start to look at this, this whole thing and look past the UFO stuff and start looking at the near-death experience and the out-of-body experience, you start to realize this thing is not what people think it is. And that's what this yeah. um, Ingrid said. She was told nothing that you see is what is really there. It's all in this idea. Mm -hmm. Is it a simulated universe? Is it, and is, does time and space exist? And it's just so much more complex than it people is. sort of want. They, people want, you know, we want, give me, give me the engine, let's make some money. Let's, you know, uh, have some technology, whatever. And it's just so much more complex than that. And I think that's yeah. where your role and my role is very important is you move pa people past that and start right. presenting this other stuff. And you don't present it and say, this is the way it is. You just say, well, what about this? And then people yeah. think, <laughs> oh, well, that's, you know, and they start right. to think, and that's, that's what maybe changes things. And then it comes down to what Max Planck says, you know, the funeral, one funeral at a time is that mm -hmm. the young kids that the older people wouldn't believe this kind of stuff, but the young kids, when they say, is there teleportation? They go, well, of course there is, you know, like they've, they're, right. they're just used to it. So the old generation dies off and the new generation isn't offended with the idea and it, it becomes, becomes adopted. Normal. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's so beautifully said. And that's what we're moving towards is just this understanding that we're all frequency and vibration and all things are possible. But my, my question is, do you think it could be both that we have, because it's almost like a computer program, like a video game, right? Say that we create a video game and in that video game, we're in space and you, it takes you a certain amount of time to travel from one planet to another planet in that video game. But ultimately that video game is just ones and zeros and frequency and code. You know, so it's like when you're in that game, you can play the the game of distance and traveling and time. Yeah. But yeah. then when you transcend it, out of body experiences, near death experiences, uh, psychedelics, meditation, whatever, um, or even contact the experiences, you transcend that. So, who are we to even know if that transcendence is the true reality, or if the, that's even another fractalization from what really is going on? 
Yeah. You know, so it's, it to me is kind of like both realities exist because this is real to me, right? Yeah. So I got to go, I have to walk down to the grocery store if I want to get some food. So that's as real as this is. But when we transcend that, we have a different perspective. Yeah. But, but still, it's still, still an activity inside consciousness. So when you die, yeah. you suddenly go, oh, and that's what people will say. And probably half the people that, that speak at your conferences will say, the basic concept is realize who you actually are. You've got to yes. remember who you actually are. We are not the actor on the stage. We are playing an actor on the stage. And that's a big yeah. difference where we sort of, and yes, it's very real. The same as uh, this, um, um, this girl, she said the same thing. She said it was, it was, she happened when she was just before she was three years old. She said it was as uh, more real than the real world. And so yeah. if that dream is, is more real than the real world or that experience, then what is this? I mean, because people right. will talk, talk about that all the time, psychedelics or out about experience and stuff that you're in the dream. This is, and so it becomes this idea that it's all manifestation or as Deepak Chopra says, everything's an activity inside consciousness and right. the, the whole the Maya idea, you know, from the, from the Indian culture that, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, magic. And, and I didn't even realize yeah. when I wrote the book called managing magic, I sort of understood that what the CIA and all these people were dealing with was magic it wasn't just yeah. ufos because they had the weird desk and they were looking at paranormal phenomena and they yeah. were looking at all this other stuff and so i call it managing magic little little did i know that maya is the sanskrit word for for um for mat for magic that, mm -hmm. and so this is the whole idea is that we we have these experiences and they are as real as real but then we sort of, and I had the idea that those experiences aren't real. They're just as real as these experiences. And that's what people will come back and tell yeah. you. And right, it just, right. to me, I always say like, when I look at it and I've done it for 46 years or whatever. And to me, the more I look at it, the more it looks like it gets more complex and more complex and more complex that it's got to be at least a thousand times more complex than people think it is. And, mm -hmm. and it's just, you start to see the magnificence of, of the world of, of the universe of yeah. even you know a hundred trillion atoms making up a cell that has 3.2 billion base pairs that are programmed and people are saying it's all happening by accident it's like give your mm -hmm. head a shake i mean it's yeah. just so complex <laughs> and so everything's got consciousness everything knows every little subatomic particle inside the the cell knows what it's going to do and the cell knows what it's going to do inside the body and there's 330 yeah. billion cells die in your body every day and we don't really give a shit it's only when are suddenly the ego cell is going to die. Then it's like, oh my God, like, what are we going to do that? <laughs> and we don't realize that there's 200 different cells and 330 billion a day are being replaced and dying and stuff. And it's this massive process and this m intelligence that's running this whole operation. We just take it for granted because it's unconscious. Yes. Oh my God. So, so well said. So let me ask you this then, as we all collectively move to this understanding of known locality, that time is, is not what, you know, it's not linear, but it's actually beyond that. Not even secular, but doesn't even exist, right? Secular yeah. is even just another construct of it all. So do you feel we can get to a point where we can navigate this matrix and have certain powers where we're able to dematerialize, rematerialize, levitate, all these different types of things that we see in ancient scriptures once we, once we actually collectively get to a point of transcending this reality, but still exists within our bodies? Sure. I, because if, it come, if you go back to the idea everything is Maya, everything is illusion, everything is vibration, then if you understand the, the source code, you can you can do it. As Jesus said, yeah. if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible. Yeah. And and this, uh, this, uh, this again, I go back to this, because I've been listening to this girl for the last couple of days, that um, um, Ingrid talked about the fact where she was in a situation where she was with her boyfriend, and they robbed her boyfriend, and she disappeared. And her boyfriend said, you weren't here. I'm, I'm glad you weren't here. And she said, I wasn't here. No, you weren't here when this thing happened. And she asked the, the she's dealing with uh, energy beings. And she has mm -hmm. this idea. Everything is energy. Everything is beings. And the idea that you, you can turn into an alien or a human or whatever you want to do, you can take on a form, but your yeah. basic source. And she said to them and she, and they basically said the same thing. You've got to realize everything is possible. And because it's all made mm -hmm. out of consciousness. And that's where I've, I've changed. Even in the last year, I now sort of believe God did not create the heaven and the earth. That is a materialistic Christian idea that God created this material physical world. And then he put little souls in each one. And, and, and the, the idea is God created the sparks of the divine and everything's made out of consciousness and you and I 
are yes. the ones creating the universe. We create the universe. Or if you've had mm. Mark, Mark, I don't know if you have Mark Sims, if you talk to him, yeah. the, the being that comes to him, um, comes to him and, and talks about these 15 levels that you start mm. as, you know, something very simple and you go up. And when you're finished, when you get this 15th level, you're creating galaxies. There are entities creating galaxies. Yeah, That's this. a Michael Newton idea. That's, I was fascinated with Michael Newton for years about this idea that we, we trend, we, we go and all it is, is everybody's making the universe a bigger place and a more magnificent place. And we're just building, building, building all the time. And so we have to look in the long term in terms of not, mm. what are we going to do in this lifetime? Or can we get, because you know, being, um, you know, with the Western society, we want everything yesterday and realizing that this goes on forever. Or people will say, you know, I want to escape the karmic wheel. I want to, you know, just get out there, whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what are you going to do? Sit on a beach for the next three billion years and drink Mai Tais? Come on. I mean, everybody's mm -hmm. building. That's what it's all about. I mean, we, you know, what is God going to take off and say, mm -hmm. okay, I've had enough, you know, I'm going to, everybody it's, and that's the whole concept of, of altruism that that's what the beings are doing they're helping us and we're supposed mm -hmm. to help the people below us and do what we're supposed to do and it's, yep. it's not about rape pillage kill and steal it's about trying to make the world a better place yes so from some experiences that i've worked with and you know even more than that channelers and other people i've come to an understanding that every sentient being wants to create something in its own image that as soon as you get that spark of sentience and like, so when we say the Elohim created us, right, which is from yeah. Sumerian scriptures, when we say the Lyran seated us. Um, but if you keep going beyond that, the original source was the same thing. Source wanted to create something in its own image. And it's even in our own Bibles now. So I feel that that's what we're doing as humans is we are creating in our image. And our in our image is happens to be computers, happens to be artificial intelligence, robots, and um, it's and everything is neutral until depending on the conscious level we're at. So we can utilize it in a positive way or a negative way. Yeah. But even if you look at a hard drive, what is a hard drive? We've literally created a dimension with information in it that's only wires and electricity, but it has data and word documents, you yeah. know. <laughs> so we are creating in our image at the dimension that we're able to do it at. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. And then when you start looking at the ET thing, I always point out, you know, 1896, the, the crash in, in Texas where, you know, and there was the airships flying around and they had propellers and sails and whatever. And they said, we're yeah. from Mars. And people went, oh, that makes sense. And, and you see that the, it's almost like they're transitioning from one type of being to another, or the greys mm. didn't appear until 1961, the reptilians until 1988. And you start seeing this, right. this idea it's just the, that it's unfolding and that we create the good and we also create the good and the bad. So yeah. we, whatever you have that's very negative, you got to realize you're part of what you're creating this whole concept that we have. We always have this victim idea yes. that we're here and these, these things are attacking us, whatever, to us, realizing yeah. that we are the ones that are building the universe. We are the ones that are responsible. And even if it's not true, if you yeah. take responsibility for where you are, you're going to make better decisions than if you see yourself as a victim. Yeah. Yeah. And since we have this, we're living within these li limited bandwidth frequency that, you know, we can see certain frequency, we can hear a certain frequency range, smell only certain frequencies, it, it makes sense that there's probably so many more experiences beyond that, that um, we need to be open to the fact that we could have chose to have many of these experiences that we're actually victimizing ourselves to now because of our limited perception. We're not able to see the grand picture of why this is happening or what we called into our life before we incarnated. Yeah. And, and a lot of people that have the near-death experience or the you know near-death experience will realize that. They'll go, oh, mm -hmm. you know, like I, th this was all intent intentional that, you know, I, I saw myself yeah. as a victim in the, in the accident or whatever, or there's this uh, uh, Nathan Castle, who mm -hmm. he's a, he's, he has these dreams. He's a, uh, a Dominican uh, priest who gets these okay. dreams. He's written three books on helping people cross over to the other side. And this mm -hmm. whole idea where they, they come and they, they see themselves as victims, but when they're on the other side, then they realize w what was actually going on was that this was all intentional and you're going to yep. live another life and you're going, you're just cycling through and like everything else. Cause we, we want to, you know, live forever, but we realize that it's all life and death. It's all cycling. That's how the universe works. And then if you realize you're part of this overall process, instead of the ego, where it's all about me and, and what I'm here for or whatever, then uh, we, we start to make some progress. And uh, so I think we're, we're, we're in a situation, even if you look at a hundred years ago, we're in a situation where we're way ahead of the game. I mean, I point out 
even a hundred years ago, we thought everything was solid. It wasn't until 1911 yeah. that we run right. the gold foil experiment and realized that it was all 99.99999% space. We, yeah. we, we, we are at this point now where we're starting to realize it's non-locality and spooky action at a distance and all this kind of stuff. And then when you talk to people uh, that have these near-death experiences and say, I was here and I wanted to go there and I was instantly there, that's non-locality. That's this whole spooky action at a distance where they're saying, oh, it only happens with uh, electrons. No, no, it happens with people too. And, mm-hmm. and you start to realize that the, these people that are the contactees are the people that probably have the answers yeah. Otherwise, you're just using your rational analytical brain and reshuffling around a bunch of material that you mm-hmm. that you're getting conditioned uh, from school or whatever. It's these people are bringing the new material in or even where Gary Nolan talks about with the guy that's doing the, the DNA stuff on the experiencers and the metal mm-hmm. research, whatever it's Stanford. He said it's the stuff that you want to look at is the five percent that's outside the curve that when you mm-hmm. see the five percent that doesn't make any sense that's what you got to watch and that's what the experiences are telling us they're telling us this weird stuff that when you start looking at it actually starts to make sense as to uh what's actually going on right and we're just at the beginning phases of this understanding right now however we're seeing craft doing things that we're in the beginning phases of so if that craft is being reverse engineered in black um, budget programs or gets released to the public things that we're theorizing in quantum physics laboratory can take our technology hundreds if not thousands of years into the future right and they have actually so as you probably know newtonian physics and quantum physics are paradoxical to each other yeah. newtonian physics um, but however quantum world creates newtonian world so it's like how does that make sense and so they were able to do things like um you know double slit experiment where two particles show up in the same place at di- um, different places at the same time so it's almost like bilocation, right? And yeah. teleportation on the subatomic level. So they weren't able to do that anything above an atom until two years ago. They did something a hundred times the size of a hydrogen atom. They teleported it from one place to another place. So what does this mean? We have finally cracked the code of being able to do things in the subatomic world in the Newtonian world. Yeah. So if, if we're just at the beginning phases of that, if we linearly progress, we'll eventually get to doing it with spacecraft, doing it with human bodies, like Star Trek, you know, but I feel that we could get even further into the future if we have this disclosure of all this technology that's out there. Yeah, we, we have to have it have it open because otherwise uh, all they're going to do is is use it to strip the, the leaves off the trees twice as fast as we're doing it right now. Yeah, I mean, we, we, it's, it's who's going to run the, <laughs> the who's going to be in control of, the, of this material. That's the part that scares me. If yeah. the people are all big on this disclosure thing uh, with the the Congress and that sort of stuff, but they got to realize that's all military. They're not going to investigate exactly. civilian people. They're not going to, if, if there's suddenly the, the message, they know the message. And I believe they know a lot of the stuff, like it's been around every nuclear uh, <coughs> silo. I've been yeah. at a nuclear silo and talked to an experience who told me what happened in a nuclear silo. When you, when you see that, are they going to tell you that they're telling us to shut the nukes down? Are they, are they going to tell us to quit polluting the planet? Are they, they're yeah. not going to tell any of that stuff. There's no way. Cause it's not in their vested interest. they just want this, this technology. And that's where I think we may be a little bit off the track is that we're sort of relying on military people to give us disclosure. And if you see what's happened so exactly. far, they haven't told us a thing. We have not learned a single Nothing. thing from the, but they people. have hijacked the movement. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. So <laughs> and they've got money now. Now they're, they're all making, instead of, you know, they've got a few bucks. Now they're all making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to work right. on this thing. Cause that's when maybe what they did is they couldn't figure it out in the black world. They couldn't crack this stuff. And so yeah. they needed the white world. So they put it sort of into the white world. And then all uh. these people started contributing stuff and the black world picks up on it because you know what it's like in the black world. It's all so compartmentalized. Nobody knows what's going on. You got a piece of this. You got a piece of that. Nobody's talking to each other. And that's what they keep saying is that they, they were not able to back engineer this stuff because that is this consciousness interface to it. So they need to put wow. it into the white world to get the white world scientists to give them the ideas, but they're never going to release it. It's all, mm-hmm. it's all classified. Even with Dr. Eric Walker, the first book I ever wrote, Dr. Eric Walker, said to us we were saying come on you're an old man tell us what's going because he knew what was going on and he said look why should we change the rules to satisfy your curiosity you're just curious admit it you're just curious you're never going to learn give it up you're never you're never going to get the answer and that's this whole idea this mentality they have is you just keep paying taxes you just keep your thing and we're going to use this we're going to save the country and we've got this stuff and everybody's got suitcases full of money and stuff like that that's what i sort of see is the risk of what's going on now 
is that really nothing has been released. We heard this report and it said it's all classified. All 144 yeah. cases were classified and it's all in the black world. We didn't learn anything. And yet they now got a pile of money. And a lot of people are jumping on board with the Galileo project and all these things. And they're contributing all this material. And I guarantee you the black world, people are sitting there just scooping up all the material and seeing, you know, somebody's going to give us material that we need to solve this problem. Wow. Yeah, I know. It's just, it's just so a lot of people are really wanted disclosure to happen so much so that they're jumping on the, yeah. the whole military disclosure thing and a completely, you know, friends and colleagues of ours that are really into it. And it's because they, we waited for so long that now that we're getting just like a, um, a few breadcrumbs, people are jumping on it, but it's just suspicious from the beginning, like the whole, and as you said, just being military. And even when Tom Zalong came out and he had that panel of people in his live stream on Twitter, all of them just happened to have left their jobs one to seven days earlier. Yeah, yeah. As if like, because they can't do that unless they're not working from there. But it was so obvious that it was almost like a complete ploy in order to basically be able to release this. But they were coming across like they're civilians now and they just wanted the information out, right? And that's part of that's part of I actually have a book, uh, the Obama UFO files. I'm just waiting yeah. for the FOIAs. The book is finished except for the FOIAs. I found okay. all the stuff on uh, all the different times Obama talked about it and stuff like that. And I actually go through the you're exactly right. That's exactly how it happened. The whole Tom DeLong thing was that it was all orchestrated. For example, Hillary Clinton was the first to bring up UAPs in yeah, fall of 2015. Jimmy she wanted Kimmel. to bring it on the Kimmel show and he didn't <laughs> ask her the question. And you see all this sort of stuff. And that the when Lou Alessandro resigned, he resigned yeah. in the morning, the meeting with the New York Times with Hal Putoff, New York Times, Leslie Kane, uh, Jim Semivan, all those people took place in the afternoon. You've got mm. to be retired. You can't be in the government. So it's the this whole- So thing. obvious. <laughs> And, and, and they're doing that, I, I guess, because if you're a military guy, that's that's your world and you're, you think you're saving yeah. the world. Everybody thinks they're saving the world. But I think that's where we have the, the, the thing where I bring up this stuff, whereas there's this huge spiritual component that the basic question is life after death. What, where did yeah. we come from? Where are we going? Because this is all just an illusion. This is all just a video yeah. game. This is all just a, a sort of a thing. And because we're, we're so um, in the UFO field, we're like the Rodney Danger field of all sciences. So we don't get any respect. <laughs> and people will do anything yeah. to get respect. That's so funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And, and they just jump on this thing and you're going like, come on, folks. I mean, and, and they, but, and that's okay. If they want, everybody has their belief, but when you ignore the experiencers who are yeah. actually the ones with the answers, that's the part that I, I, I see my, that is my role is to say, yes. do you know what this person said? Do you know, what this person said, do you know that these people are moving through space instantaneously and i've got like yeah. not one person i got 36 people and they're all telling the same stories and they're all basically right. telling you that this thing is this this non-local and it's all consciousness and and that's why they can't move the craft because it has a consciousness interface and and you can't turn it on unless you got the consciousness interface and and uh it's flown by that's how the people will say they when you ask them like this david guy i said you know okay tell me your story he said oh, i think it's a dream i said tell me your story anyway so he starts telling me the story. It's like they're reading off a cue card. I went in the craft. The craft was bigger on the inside than it was outside. There was some beings and they, they said, go ahead and do it. I put my hand on a panel. They put their hand on a ball. They put their hand on something. And the craft was alive. It was absolutely alive. They became wow. one with the craft. And whatever they thought is what the craft did. Everybody says the same thing. There's nobody has said anything different. And you start hearing that and you realize this is, I don't care if you call it anecdotal evidence. This is very strong evidence that shows this is all going to be consciousness when you break it mm -hmm. all down. There's a physical component, but the physical component is one that gets us in trouble of war and the male ego and, you know, the, the yeah. urinating contests and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. like, uh oh, um, we're actually doing um, an event on April 3rd called psychology evidence and science behind near death experiences and after death communication. Wow. And that's a free event on portal to ascension. It's a 10 hour event all day with some uh, amazing people, doctors, nurses, um, some scientists, um, therapists, and experiencers of near-death. Near but what's happening now is actually um, near-death experiences are actually being considered by the mainstream. Yale University came out with a whole research um, um, study on it just last year. Yeah. And on CBS, there was this whole entire segment on NDEs. And I think they said, um, it was like, let me think. I think it was one out of every 10 or one out of every five um, near-death uh, near experiences. One out of every 
experience of somebody passing away and then coming back to life in a hospital setting is a near-death experience where they remember other things, they visit someplace and they see themselves outside of their body. And that was on CBS, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's, it's becoming um, proven now that consciousness isn't just constricted within the brain, that it's actually a field that's outside of our body as well. Yeah, I think that's where our, 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 our disclosure comes. It's not that we're going to convince anybody. It's you put it out. Because I remember I wrote an article called The 64 Reasons That Decided Not to Tell You the Truth. And one of them was <laughs> Stephen Greer's thing that the stock market yeah. would melt down if they ever announced the fact that they were actually working on this stuff. Right. And I used to believe that as well. And then what happened when the New York Times thing came out? Nothing. Nobody, nobody panicked. Nobody jumped out of a window. And that's what's happening now is that you and I tell stories. We keep telling the stories, telling the stories. Yeah. And the young kids all go, oh, you near-death experience. I've heard about that. And, and I was in the 70s when it first started. I actually wrote a paper. I actually did. When I started, I wrote a paper at university on people dying. And I, because it was a big mm -hmm. thing then. And it went, did people ever predict their deaths? Uh, stuff like this, uh, near-death experiences and, and all the weird things that happen around death and people coming to take them across and stuff like that. And, and now it's basically, it's going to be the same thing, almost like gay marriage or any of these sort of things. We are no different than any other social or political movement. We're going to keep yeah. talking about and talking about and talking about, and people are going to hear it here. And they're going to go, I don't really have that interest in that stuff. And then someone's going to say, oh, it's real. There are near-death experiences people do. And everybody's going, yeah, I knew that. Right. The same as the New York Times article. Yeah. That's how things disclose. It's not going to be a move where suddenly everybody's going to panic and the story's going to be announced. It's a thing that gradually happens and everybody's just going to suddenly accept it. And it's happened yeah. numerous times in history. Right. And the same thing with extraterrestrials, right? And UFOs yeah. is that. And what do you think about the whole concept of that? You know, this was coming out no matter what. And people like you, myself, many other people we know were pushing it to come out. Even Steve Bassett was doing a lot of things that, um, you know, really put up a flag with Congress members and people who weren't even in the awareness of this all. And then all of a sudden they came in, they took over and hijacked the movement. Do you think that they maybe did that because they knew it was inevitable that was coming out and that they needed to get in front of the story? Um, I think there, there could be a component to that that you're trying to get ahead of the story before it, yeah. before it breaks. But I think what, what a lot of it was, Jim Semivan actually said that they were behind this. That and I that's why I wrote up in in the uh, the Obama book was that there was guys inside the government. So it's the people always think like I worked at, at a university which was government, and everybody thinks well you know every year in the government you know what's going on. No, you don't. There's like a million different departments and everybody's fighting for money and you only know what your little job is. You don't know what your boss does. You don't know what you know uh, yeah. people all around you do. And so you had people inside the government who were very frustrated and El and Semi Van was one of them. He had the experience in the 1990s with his wife and the beings were in the room. And so he couldn't deny this thing. He knew and he's what's going on. He's asking. And, and so you had people in the government who were just upset. And he actually said they went to the government and they said, we are going to drop this thing. And he went to high level intelligence. He tells the story. He went to high level intelligence, said, we're going to drop this thing. And they said, okay, fine, you know, whatever. And, and they forced it out. But it was, it was, so it was interested people. That's why they retired. So they were interested people who wanted the answer out. So they, they sort of forced it out. And uh, so, but still the majority of the government, I think, doesn't really know the black ops people that may know something are yeah. holding their stuff. But the vast majority of the government doesn't know anything. So I'll give credit to like John Podesta was one that was big behind this. He's the one that came up with the UAP. He fed Hillary Clinton the questions and, and, and met with these generals and stuff like that. And they were going to drop this thing, as I told in well the book I didn't publish. Uh, but I, I told this, I was being told in 2016, they are going to drop this thing. Chris Bledsoe was telling me this. He said, the big man's going to appear on 60 Minutes, exactly what they did four minutes, four years later. And mm -hmm. he said, they're going to high level people are going to come forward and they're going to say UFOs exist and they're going to do it. This is 2016, but because Hillary lost yeah. the election, they had to postpone it for another nine months. But it was these people that were all retired, all were interested in pushing this thing out that moved it. And then everything has sort of moved along. And we, we've gotten to this point where, uh, it's out in the open now. I give them credit for that. And it's just whether we or the military control what actually goes on from here on in. And I think we still control it because uh, they're not going to look at experiences. They're not interested in what experiences yeah. say and that sort of thing. They're just interested in the military stuff. And the ETs have said that numerous times. If you go down the hardware route, you're in a trap. It's not yeah. about that. It's about understanding how does reality work? What's really going on? 
and this understanding that everything is made out of consciousness. The material world may be an illusion. It's it's mm-hmm. a dense sort of uh, form of consciousness, and we're creating it. And that kind of stuff. Uh, even Jim Semivan said, you know, can you go public with that kind of stuff? Where you actually say to people, and they he may use the same argument. Oh, they go back to their priests and their. What are we going to do now? I don't think any of that's going to happen. They're going to go. Yeah, okay, whatever. You know, I got to take my kid to soccer practice. I don't yeah. care. Most people don't care. It's it's going to be just generally accepted. But that's what saves us is the fact that we understand the disclosure is to tell people who you actually are, who right. is your true essence. And that's what's going to change the world where people are going to realize, oh, I'm not just here to rape, pillage, kill and steal. I'm actually here to do something. Mm-hmm. I'm actually, you know, there's something. And that's what yeah. changes the, the consciousness. More to it. And I think we're pretty close to that now, thanks to what you're doing and what other people are doing. I think that that mentality is already there. If you ask little kids they'll accept all the stuff we're talking about. They no question sure. at all. It's the old guys that are hanging on because they spent, you know, $50,000 a year to go to MIT and they, they simply yeah. don't want to know that they wasted their time and they got to take the cyanide pill. Those are the, it's the <laughs> secular scientists. I think that are going to be most shocked by this whole thing because they're yeah. going to realize that the, all the stuff they were putting out was, was basically wrong. Yeah, exactly. And we're just at the beginning phases. That's why I'm hopeful. We're going to, a lot of things unfolding and I feel that we're going to be moving into a world that we are going to realize we're the creators of the reality. And the more we are aware that we're the creators of the reality, more we do it intentionally. And as we do it intentionally, we can be in a peaceful world where we treat each other with respect and compassion, and we take care of the planet instead of destroying it. Yeah, because yeah, we all came here mm-hmm. for a reason, and it was it was a good reason that we wanted we wanted to help, we wanted to play the play the game or whatever. And when we suddenly realize why we came here and the fact that we are here for a reason, everything changes, yeah. everything will shift. And I think that's where where we got to go. That you and I are are doing the the job that we probably intended to do, and uh, yep. it doesn't really matter whether it happens, you know, two years after we die or whatever. But we were part of the biggest story of all times. It's like we, uh, if this, you know, Dolores Cannon thing, the call went out and we said, mm-hmm. yeah, well, we'll go in there. We'll do that. You know, sure. Send me in, you know, and uh, <laughs> we, that's, that gives you the, the idea that, and people will all realize that we're, you know, we aren't, we aren't who we think we are. And that uh, it's a very spiritual, even though I said the UFO thing, when I conclude it all, it's going to be a lot less physical than people think it's going to be way more spiritual than people think. And that's going to really piss some people yeah. off. And it's going to be a thousand times more complex. And I say, it will not have an, even a hint of capitalism. It'll be mm-hmm. this idea where everybody's, you know, uh, working on a purpose and it's not physical and stuff like that. So that's where I've seen, and I've come a yeah. long way from 1975 with you know the, the UFOs and stuff. And they, you see them, they're leading you slowly. It's not yeah. like they land on the White House lawn and tell you what to do. We're here to bring you freedom and democracy, Jesus and McDonald's. They, they're just, <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they're doing it slowly and they're taking people and we've agreed to come in and do this. We've made these agreements. We come in, we, we put the stuff out and gradually mm-hmm. it, it moves along. And they may have done this on a thousand planets before they know exactly how to move people to the next step and, and, yes. and open this thing up. And I think it's because uh, you start seeing this and you talk to people, you'll ask people who have the experiences. Did, did they, did they get you to write the book? I always ask this question. Did they, did they get you to write the book? Yeah, they kind of got me to write the book. And you hear this, it's like, or they won't leave the per- people alone. They won't let them sleep until they, they write it down or right. they, yeah. they talk. And you hear these sort of stories is that these people have made an agreement and they've forgotten why they made the agreement. Or even uh, Sherry Wild, who you probably had on, where yeah. they where she was fighting with them and she said, I'm not going to do this anymore. Sherry, have you forgotten the promise that you made? And that was the book yes. was called The Forgotten Promise. You made oh, a promise to do this. And so let's go. And, and you know, people are, are sort of motivated. And uh, so I feel honored to be working with you and other people that we, you know, Same. we're on a team. We may have had a meeting before we came in and said, okay, this is what we're going to do. And yeah. you do this and I'll do that. And uh, it gives you a sense of purpose and, and a sense that, that you're doing uh, what you came to do. And there's no better feeling in the world than, mm-hmm. than believing that you're, you're actually helping. Yes, exactly. I mean, I'm having the time of my life doing what I do. You know, it's yeah. really fun. It's exciting. And I'm a very curious person. And it's just unfolding layers of who we are as humans, right? Yeah. And yeah. even beyond that, who we are as galactic beings. The, the curiosity is a big part as well. I always said mm-hmm. to me, it was to me, it was always like a chess game because I was very good at playing chess when I was a little kid. I probably could yeah. have become pretty good at chess, but I didn't want to lose. So I stopped playing chess. And um, so, but to me, it was always like a chess game. 
It's like, you know, you're sitting there watching the board and this piece moves, that piece moves, and you don't move a piece until you know why that piece moved. And I'm just trying to figure out, okay, what's going on here? And you're just trying to figure it out like a chess game. I'm not, I've got, you know, sort of no vested interest. I'm not trying to get anything. I'm just trying to figure this thing out. And it's like, as you, it's like a, an exciting thing where you're, mm-hmm. you're curious. And, and, and when you, especially when you make a discovery, you can probably confirm this, that when you get a download or you get a, a discovery where you go, yeah, yeah, that guy I figured it out. <laughs> the pieces are coming together yeah and and there's no better feeling in the world where you suddenly like the aha moment where it's like wow and and you hear people like tesla you know where he has the alternating engine or or people when they have that that moment where they just like exhilarate and they run back and they're trying to write it down and they're just like Mm -hmm. on on this stage and so that's where i think you know it may be us giving us the ideas as you mentioned before this idea that you get to a certain point when you get to the to the level where you're at the veil the veil is very thin and you pop through like the, the you mentioned yeah. some but the one that i always because i wrote a whole chapter in a book called inspired i went the whole thing but inspired where do people get ideas i wrote a whole chapter on this whole thing about the inventions that all came at the same time and the one was the telephone that graham bell filed in the morning as a woman filed the same patent in the afternoon mm-hmm. and people don't realize there were these these things were all happening at the same time and you get to this level so it's not until you get to the level that it you break through that they allow you to break through and everybody's breaking through at the same time and we're at this right. this understanding now about non-locality spooky action at a distance uh consciousness because I, I i tell a story when i did the 2012 consciousness thing when i had that download mm-hmm. i remember jerry pippen was a very famous interview at the time said grant i cannot believe you've done this i cannot believe you have given up the presidents and the united states and gone to this woo stuff and i said well jerry I didn't really go there. I got kind of teleported there and nobody was talking <laughs> consciousness. Nobody in the UFO community, except for yeah. Colin Andrews was talking consciousness. And now it's like, even the people who don't believe in consciousness use it because they know it's a buzzword. You better use this word. And people right. are starting, it's the shift in just in 12, 10 years since I had that download, the shift in consciousness, understanding in the UFO community is absolutely massive. Totally. Yeah. Massive. Yeah. Yeah. And I know some like um, linear ufologists, if you can call them that, that, have taken the shift into consciousness as of late as well yeah and and yet i still think a lot of them don't understand they just realize that there's some sort of component there there's some sort of thing but they really don't understand the true uh, essence of the thing that it's going to be all consciousness that that's where mm-hmm. you're not going to see the government people go that's where we got to go because they're just simply not going to say guess what it's it's um it's 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 uh, not the world you think it is although there's a lot of, even you see the thing with the the whole um you know simulated universe and uh donald hoffman and uh you know all this sort of stuff there's piles of these people not coming forward robert lanza they're all writing these books and these are top scientist people who are basically talking about this illusion idea that consciousness is primary and matter is a a derivative of consciousness not the other way around and you start seeing this this shift and that's only in the last couple of years so i think we're moving pretty fast and we'll see where it goes. Definitely. That's the only thing I think that really saves the world is that everybody comes to realize who they actually are. Yeah, yeah. We are not Americans, Canadians. We are individuals who have come and you're going to play uh, this role this time. You're going to play that role the next time. You're going to play this, you know, this race, that race, this religion, that mm-hmm. religion. And we are all one. And that to me absolutely is the number one rule of the number one message is oneness and understanding who you are. We are all one and, and there's no division. Seriously. And even through mathematics now and science, we can prove our interconnectivity, right? So we've already mentioned many different things within quantum physics that proves, you know, like for example, that, um, um, that our intention and attention on something has a different outcome than where we don't have our intention on it, which is a quantum physics thing that basically if a tree falls in the wood does it make a sound well if it's a subatomic tree it doesn't <laughs> you know like when we put our attention to it it's almost like we literally create reality by focusing on reality yeah right it's been proven scientifically so and it's been called quantum theory for quite some time but in my book we these studies and these tests have kind of proven that this is a reality so it's just taken a period of time for us to shift from this newtonian linear understanding to really make this quantum world the new understanding the foundation that we move forward with and as you said the next generation it's already their foundation so what happens as we progress we just continue to evolve i like the way you put it that it doesn't have to be one big impact we just slowly evolve and it's not even that slowly it's like a decade in a decade everything's different you know and the different components that are embedded in our new education 
become the the foundation of what we understand in our future, yeah. right? And that's what's happening. Yeah. Even Paul Selig talked about, um, because he's done the 10 channeling books and not one word has changed except for the odd one where there's an S or he mispronounced something or something like that. But he does the 10 books. And he said that you, if you look at his, his channeling material, they never talk about science. And so he asked them and they said in a hundred years, none of the words you use in science will be used anymore. It's all going to be about vibration and stuff like yeah. this, that we, even the language of science is going to change. And we don't yeah. realize it because it's happened. We're in the present moment. We, we don't realize, but if you look back at what even 30, I don't know if you were there when the internet happened, but I remember before the internet, when we used to research with, with writing letters back and forth, where you sit there and wait two weeks for an answer and stuff like that. People have <laughs> no clue how fast things are, are changing in, in the world. Even the, and so you get the idea of the, the, um, the internet being the collective. And actually I've written a book about this as well. That I call it the helping hand, the 11 things that were given to us. And one of them was the computer that if you look at the computer, they mentioned computer, it was like literally a download in 1950 to one guy sitting there. And then all the people doing LSD, it was all invented at Silicon Valley because they were doing the LSD there. And all, all that stuff was downloaded, all the stuff for the computer. You look at how the, all this stuff and you look at it. Is this the collective unconscious? It was this given to us to help us understand mm -hmm. the Akashic record. And also, and you start to realize yeah, yeah. it's all consciousness and it's all connected that there is no, there is no computer. There's no internet. It's just connecting consciousness together until there's yeah. a consciousness to program the computer or a consciousness to put the, the material on or a consciousness reading it it's just connecting all these consciousnesses together yes. and you start to think like wow maybe this was all planned be beforehand and it's right. all unraveling as as according to a plan that may have been done a thousand times before on other planets yeah yeah and it is interesting because the internet is like a third dimensional akashic records you yeah. know and um and it has information from this dimension but it also has people like us speaking about information from other dimensions so it's it's basically us creating something in our image our own version of the akashic records in order to disseminate information to the collective yeah and the only thing we need now on top of that is what you what you get with the i want to do a, a panel on um people who've had not near-death experiences but the life review because in the life mm -hmm. review they show one of these things almost like the flying saucer when people flying the flying saucer i said the reason that story is important because if you're going to make up a story about being on a craft that's not something you're going to stick in the, in the story. I flew the flying saucer. That's, nobody's going to believe that. That's like the yeah. limit case for credulity. If you can believe that, you can believe anything. I mean, what can't you believe? And, and the same thing happens with the, the life review that the people all describe. Not only do they see their life in every single detail, they see it from a third perspective of the person yes. that they influence and how that influenced their family and how that influenced the kids and it, it, the ripple effect all the way through. And when you see the Akashic record where it's all linked to that sort of stuff, you go like, wow i mean yeah you know, just unbelievable complex how does that all be put together it's just unbelievable it's so beautiful yeah so let's uh maybe shut her down and i need some uh some poems here oh yeah i forgot all about that yeah <laughs> <laughs> but tell give me a little bit of background on how you started this because uh okay. it's called slam poetry right yeah yeah so basically spoken word slam poetry used to be um, performance-based competition poetry. That's what it used to be, comp competing with people in the spoken word phrase. But now as time has progressed, slam poetry is now developed into the form of actually presenting it, which is like, it's kind of like hip hop meets poetry. Wow. And then ins and outs, you know, and slam literally meaning that there's certain parts that slam and really resonate with you. Yeah. So the way it started was 2000, 2001. I was writing poetry when I was 16 in 1998, uh, but it was just like super just poems, like, yeah. where the dead and the dying lay, you know, like about World War II, things like that, yeah. right? And um, and then when I went to college at 18, 2000 at Cal State Fullerton, I started researching the root of all religion. And I started writing kind of sci-fi like spoken word pieces, you know, planets, black holes, ETs, wasn't aware of any of this stuff yet. And about a year later, I started getting introduced to Nassim Haramein, Jordan Maxwell, William Henry, Jim Self. And um, then I started like, really diving deep into spirituality and the Sumerian scriptures and the root of it all. Some of my first spoken word pieces were the, on the Anunnaki and Nibiru and the Sumerian tablets. And um, then I was getting deep into extraterrestrial awareness, consciousness, soon to get into UFO disclosure. So it continued to progress. But most of them, if not all of my poems, um, really had the spiritual component because it was about who are we? What is our placement in the universe? Why are we here? 
So I speak a lot about galactic things, galactic beings, extraterrestrials, um, wormholes, black holes, but it's always about the eventual goal for ascension, right? So even I have like, I have things split up. Like I have an album called Intergalactic Album, which is like, I have it open right now, which is six songs specifically on ascension in regards to our intergalactic connection, right? Then wow. I have like an album on astral travel, which is just a bunch of songs on astral traveling and two different dimensions and astral traveling to earth. I have one on planet earth, which is literally just songs about incarnating on earth, the cycles of time, having these different experiences and why we're here on this planet in the first place. So since then, from now, from then until now, I've created probably over 2000 spoken word pieces. And, and then I was also into freestyle hip hop. So in 2001, 2002, I was a freestyle hip hop artist. Like, so freestyle is basically off the top of my head, rapping to beats. Right. So I'd be rapping about, you know, consciousness and, and ETs. And then that progressed into spoken word. And then I came back to hip hop around six, seven years ago. And now I'm actively creating songs that are hip hop al- songs that are going to be on albums coming up in the near future. Wow. So that's, that's everything in, in one right there. Uh, how do you have time in, all the, in the day for all the stuff you do? Okay. Well, you know, these songs come to me within seconds. Wow. I write, it takes me a minute sometimes to write these songs. Um, my number one song that you've heard many times and you filmed me on stage at the Portal Central Conference. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. That one was um, the first spoken word piece I ever um, performed in 2008. And I actually wrote it on a plane going to England and it took me about three minutes to write the whole thing. And it's an epic ballad. Wow. And it, thank God for the phone. You know, I was just like writing it on the phone really quick. So Unbelievable. I have to update you. I have to up, uh, update my tuned in book because I do a whole thing in tuned in about okay. the, the number of songs that came in under five minutes and uh, how many came spontaneous and <laughs> you'd fit right in there. You could be a whole chapter because that, that's, that's hilarious. That's pretty, pretty common with, uh, with musicians where they ask him where to come from or Neil Young, how, where do you get blowing in the wind? He goes, yeah, I don't really know. It made that wellspring of creativity, I guess. It's like came in under 10 minutes, you know, stories. That, and they were always the best song. Maybe you can confirm this. They, they always said it was never the B-side song. It was always the, the most famous song that they wrote was one of these weird things like Let It Be or, or uh, yeah, with the Mother Mary thing. That was, yeah. you know, big song. And that was a dream, dream that he had and stuff like that. It's always the big song. It's never a B-side song. It's their most famous song that comes in this very inspired way. Damn. Yeah. Remember you did the whole uh, presentation on Portal to Ascension too. The yeah. music that, one. I've watched that like three times. Yeah. And, and it, right. it works well for me because I'm not a musician. So people can't say I got a vested interest. I could care less about music. So it's right. just, I'm just so fascinated with the idea. It's like, how, how did this happen? How does this happen instantaneously? You yeah. realize that there's, well, that's, maybe that's what it is. When, when I hear that you get these stuff sort of spontaneously, then you realize there is a field that the information, and I believe the, the information in the field is more accurate than the information in the conscious world. And the ability is to, to find you and the experiencers and people who have tapped into the field, who are getting the material, and that's where you're going to get the answers. It's coming out of the field where all the material is stored. Yes, exactly. When you step out of the way, like I've had times where I've tried to write music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As uh, letting the inspiration come. And then I've cultivated now an ability to go into a studio and write and still step out of the way and get into that flow state yeah. in a controlled environment, you know, yeah. and that's after 20 years of writing. It, it took me quite a while to get to that point where like, cause normally I would just, I would have like months where I would write like one to two songs a day. Right. And then I would go like four or five months of not even writing. Cause I would not do it unless I'm inspired. And then now I'm at a point where, I'm, I feel like I'm directly connected that I could just like, if I wanted to, I could put on a beat right now and just close my eyes and then something will just come out. Wow. Yeah. And that's, that, that is the way it works. Like in, in the inspired book, I, I talked about that uh, inspired principle is that you'd get guys who are working on a, a, a problem, problem, like the hologram was one and the laser was the other one. And they worked on it, worked on it, worked on it. They couldn't get it. And then they went and both of them are sitting on park benches watching one was watching, waiting for a restaurant to open. And the other was watching a tennis game and they sat down on the park bench and relaxed. And all of a sudden, boom, the idea came in their head and they went yeah. racing back to the lab to write it down. It's that moment of getting out of the way that, that, that allows the, the veil to open or trauma. Trauma is another one where you yes. have a, you know, a near-death experience, a head injury or whatever, mm. and that rips the field and, and you're in the field and you bring the stuff back. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And I know a lot of people that are poets that only can write when they're sad. You know, <laughs> so it's like when you're at that deep emotional state, right? I know a lot of people like that actually. Yeah. And then they'd have writer's block and we'd have conversations about it because I know lots of poets. Yeah. And then there would be like, they would have writer's block when their life was good, wow. you know? Cause like when they're sad, they got the deep emotion of, and then they're yeah. reflecting on their position, not only in their life, but the position in the universe, what am I, what is going on right now? You yeah. know, that depressive state almost. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm blessed to, uh, to be able to write even when I'm actually happy, <laughs> <laughs> but you could tell some of these poems, like some of my old school ones, when I was kind of sad and depressed, it was like, like, why are we here on this planet? Why are we running around like rats? You know, that kind of feeling. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to do this. Okay. So this first poem here is called fragmentation. And this is about um, basically the fractalization from source. So it goes into three parts. It's the void, the darkness, and the light. Wow. Here we go. Fragmentation. In the beginning, there were no words, no concept, no winning, no place, no time, no description, no label, and no finishing until awareness became conscious of itself. Separation from the source, no east, no west, no south or north. Not to mention there never existed a dimension or ascension or physical lessons, except for the zero point. There was no Christ to anoint. Singularity, energy, frequency raised vibrationally, paradoxically into limitation of what only the five senses can see. No linearity, no anarchy, no galaxies, no nebulae, no jobs, no nature, no materialism, and no political lives until darkness finally fragmented from the light. Using free will to see through the night, the darkness. I take the anxiety pill full of fright in my bed and secure from the conspiracy that might take over my mind, control me with a chip inside, scared and full of fear. That is the reason why we are here to the star system of Arcturus. I stare and recite my cosmic prayers, self-empowered, the fabric of victim consciousness. I tear the light. You see, the destination has already been chosen. It's the journey that counts. Every day we transcend no doubt, living in the now, Realizing it's all a projection of a co-creation of our own subconscious mind. Channel energy through the heart, remembrance of the divine. Take apart my ego and restart my life in any moment. I'm going home, traveling across the black intergalactic ocean. Took the psychedelic potion and now I'm awoken. To the streets we take the spoken word. Fly high, levitate the God inside. I'm full spectrum being in alignment with the purity confined in. Ranges of frequencies inhibit what we are seeing. I shift what I choose to believe in. Fuel my light body for the ether I'm fiending. Wow. <laughs> fragmentation. That is so <laughs> profound. Unbelievable. It's All just... right. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I, I just, just it, it, there's something about when you do poetry, it's just like, oh, wow. It's just like just mesmerized by, and the, the message is there and, um, it, it's got to be coming from from source. I mean, it's just wonderful stuff. Thank you, brother. All right, so I'll do like a, a few more here. Yep. Three more. Okay. So this one's called <clears throat> Time Has Slowed Down. Time Slowing Down. Time has slowed down, or is that perception of the now? Creating ripples, overcoming obstacles, abundance flows, the end is close, which only means there's a new beginning. Spinning like a black hole's event horizon as my chakra points awaken and widen. A solar flare that inspires all men and women to inhale the ether into each of their pores inside of the physical cells that rely on oxygen and a natural amount of rest. I will forever rhyme until I take my last breath. I said time has slowed down. Or is that perception of how we exist in a matrix of disavowed humans searching for the next cash cow? I'm the sacred cow, worshipped at the top of the mound, spinning around, milk and honey to those who hear the sound as your chakra points awaken and your soul is found sun gaze to receive praise from this maze we find ourselves in to the collective cellular membrane ancestry passed down to your kin dna strands and unwind and bend and dissipate upon death i will forever rhyme until i take my last breath it's <laughs> <laughs> oh, <that's> beautiful <laughs> okay this one's called the source the tunnel shines bright light of frequencies quantum realities that I step into by breathing the ether, starbursts from the galactic center, disperse newly recycled matter to the ends of the galaxy, where resides all of humanity. 
Looked at from a distance, this infinity symbolizes consistency, everlasting mentality, consciousness gravitationally inclined. We see so many stars in front of our eyes, gives the black hole its disguise, pulls us closer to the origin, slowly because we just begun the cycle once again. It's time to begin this cycle once again. The tunnel shines bright light of spirituality, descended from interdimensional energy. Love is the only thing we hold as reality, but egotistically drawn to fight struggles, find a balance and juggle my higher and lower selves, destruction, corruption. Through sin, we observe the infinite end of a universe within. Love for myself has allowed me to befriend all in existence. We all came from the stars, Aryan bloodlines from Mars. We do not have to travel far to find the balance within so we may love ourselves and all other creatures and humans. And this one's a good one to end it on because it's called Rejoin the Galactic Federation. <laughs> All right. And then there was one. Life untangled, rhyme is undone. Life source drained, vanity explained. Following those with fame, always fight and complain. Answer remains the same. Control with borders entained, locked up and enslaved, riding the quantum wave through awareness. We are saved. Ascend and fade away or live for today and don't play games or get erased from this place. One face. Unity of race, consciousness explained, end of human reigns, galactic alliance remains our true cosmic place amongst the stars in space, aware now in case reincarnation takes my next life away. So ascend and pray, not for monetary gains, but an escape from superficial ways. Life is just a phase that will one day be replaced by pure energy and an entirely new intergalactic race. Wow. You, you are a symbol of creativity and inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> wow thanks brother i wish I'd, i wish i had uh, known all this before i did the book inspired because i would have put it in there and it's and in tuned in because that those were the books that that's what i was doing in those books is exactly what i see with you is this just you go like wow how is this happening almost like the the technology whatever is something going on there that's not normal and and yeah. if you can figure out what it is it, it's going to be very helpful for mankind. So I, I, mm -hmm. I appreciate you doing that. And for me, cause it's, uh, I'm a big fan of, uh, of your poetry and uh, I, I can't say enough about it. So we'll, we'll thank we'll you promote it out there. So um, again, let's, uh, and I'm supposed to be speaking at one of the conferences, which one is that? Yes. So portal to Ascension conference, April 15, 16, 17. It's That's the one three of the big ones. Yeah. And, and I know you're not traveling, but in 2023 we're doing a live conference so just throwing it out there if you're yeah. going to travel in 2023 well we'll see they we still have the yeah. trouble with the homeland security guys that um yeah i know right are playing their their game of stay out of our country and but anyway we will see we'll see what happens but um you, you these are the big conferences so let, let's end with that is these are the ones that go for days and and yeah. i don't know how you sit there for that many sessions but it goes on day after day after day and these are all um, the ones that are online are basically a donation site. And yeah, so we'll go through a little bit about that and who might be um, at that one coming yeah. up. All right. I'll put it up really quick here. All right. So the next, the Port of Ascension conference we did in 2018, 2019 live and Grant was at both of them in Irvine. And now, and then since then we've done it online. The first one, that we did during the world situation was five days, which was intense. And that actually, after doing five days, I realized I don't want to do another five day conference because <laughs> I was drained. You know, the adrenaline that you need in order to be present for five days. Yeah. yeah. Imagine the crash from that on the sixth day. Yeah. That's what I experienced, you know? Yeah, that's so, right. I couldn't figure out yeah. how you do that. <laughs> so days and now it's three days. Um, and this is April 15th to 17th. And we have 33 presenters. We have seven MCs. It's three days. And I'll just mention a few people who will be there. Uh, Sheila Seppi, who I work with quite often, walk-ins and hybrids. Um, Deborah Juicy is doing the Ascension panel. Of course, Grant Cameron's going to be there. Carolyn Corey, um, Shreya Dharma. We have Dr. Charnel. Um, we, it's, this is a full range awareness event, um, consciousness, nutrition, uh, vibrational therapy, uh, extraterrestrials, UFOs, like it's just portal to ascension. Why do I call myself the platform portal to ascension? Because all things are within it. If we're ascending right now, every single thing is a part of this. So it's a really fully encompassing event. We have Mary Rodwell is going to be there. 
Uh, Robert Schwartz, who is a researcher on near-death experiencers. We have Valerie Tingini, who's a new presenter, who talks about Kundalini. Uh, we have sound healers such as Vox Angelis, Stephanie Redfeather, Geraldine Orozco, Phil Gruber, Elizabeth April, who's pre become pretty well known the last few years. She's going to be there. Flo Karuna, who um, um, has something called Starseed Codes on Instagram, um, does a lot of awareness with Starseeds. We have a few different sound practitioners. Shima Moore is going to be doing astrology. Sandra Walter will be there. And also another individual named Paul Moreland, who goes by Blue Pill on um, Instagram, that's also um, new to the circuit of speaking. So there's going to be a good, like, you know, half the people are going to be people that, you know, we've worked with before. But this is also an event to introduce people to a lot of new people, especially a lot of people that actually became um, really blossomed during the last two years because everything went online and they started sharing their content. So I'm now having an opportunity to feature many new people as well. So it's going to be a fun event. Three days, two panels. We have the panel on Ascension that we have an Experiencer ET UFO panel on Sunday. And if you're free for that grant, yeah. I'll let you know an email, come to that panel too. Yeah. And then it's going to be 10 to 11 hours a day, just nonstop back-to-back -back awareness. And the whole intention for the event is to infuse this timeline with consciousness, you know? So it's going to be exciting. Okay. Everybody gets unlimited replay access. You can sign up on our website to go to the Zoom room or youtube.com slash portal to Ascension to watch it on YouTube. Wow. You, you just, you just amaze me. Um, I guess the one more last question is with the COVID thing and everybody going to zoom, has that actually worked to your benefit? Yes. So <laughs> um, you were the only guy early doing this and then suddenly everybody was forced to go and do this. <laughs> you know, the right questions to ask because, um, all right, so I'd been on zoom for five years and I'd already created an online university. So when, everything happened, my attendance went up three to five times per event. Wow. <laughs> and then, um, and they haven't stopped and it continues to grow. And then also a lot of organizations that did their conferences live, like the International Near-Death Conference, um, Ancient History Conferences, they all had to go online. But instead of doing it online themselves, they came to me and I started doing their events. Uh, for example, MUFON, I've been doing all the MUFON Orange County events for the last month, year and a half online. Wow. So, so like, I think, I think you might've spoke at one of them in the last year and a half. Yeah. 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 Orange yeah. County, I did. So, yeah. 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 So that was on portal to Ascension. I think we connected there. And so like, I've been able to help a lot of organizations that would have gone out of business or would have just not done their event for two years by moving it to portal to Ascension and producing it for them. So that's also assisted with my overall business plan and, and creating a lot of collaborations too. Yeah. And you already had the base, you had the, the numbers yeah. and stuff and the contacts and stuff. So, yep. Beautiful. Thank you, Neil. I appreciate very much. And anytime you need me to chip in with a presentation on stuff, cause I've, I have a whole series of books coming out here and uh, willing to help you and okay. uh, appreciate what you've done for me and what you've done for the community and for the world. Thank you very Thank much. You, man. Thank you so much. Okay. We'll be in touch. All right, brother. Okay. Bye-bye. Talk later. Bye. That's this week's episode of the Paranormal UFO Consciousness Podcast. I'm your host, Grant Cameron, hoping that you will join me for upcoming episodes. Links to my YouTube interviews, books, and my Facebook sites are in the show notes. If you love the podcast or learn something valuable, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, or give a review on today's episode. If you would like a certain paranormal subject dealt with in the future, please let us know. Until next time, watch this space, and thank you so much for listening.